might be newer to our church. I've seen some new faces today. My name is Cal Hendrickson, and I am one of the pastors here at the Parks Church. And uh, this is not my normal or regular routine to be up here during this time of the service of preaching. And so you'll have to be patient with me as we work through the text this morning. If you have been around for a while, I am sorry to disappoint you that... They're already laughing. Uh... I'm sorry to disappoint you that the passage we're going through today is not taboo material or PG-13 in nature like I usually get stuck with. So some of you are grateful and uh, not quite as squeamish or heading for the door right now, and some of you are probably upset because that usually kept you awake, not sure what Kyle was going to say from the pulpit. But regardless, this Sunday is more appropriate for all ages. I'm not telling kids to go to kids' church. You can keep whatever ages in here. The word is appropriate for all of us this morning. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I just encourage you to go to our website, check out the sermons page on there, and look at uh, Proverbs chapter 5 was a sermon I taught last time. And uh, I don't know if fun is the right word to describe it or uh, interesting convicting, whatever. I don't know. But I encourage you to look at that. But today we're going to be finishing the second chapter of Ephesians in the middle of Paul's letter to Ephesus. And I want to read that scripture again that Jennifer read for us at the beginning of the service, chapter 2, starting in verse 19. It's on the screen behind me or you can grab your Bible as well. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the holy structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place by God, the Spirit. Amen? So one of the basic needs of humans, one of the basic needs of all mankind from really the age we can even think for ourselves until the day that we die is this feeling and this need to belong. We all have this need to be connected, to be a part of something, to be included. And we'll do, frankly, whatever it takes to be accepted. We'll do whatever it takes to belong, to be loved, to be part of a group of some sort. And sometimes this longing, this constant need of acceptance, this constant need of belonging can get us involved in things that are simply just not good and uh, may get us involved in groups of people that are doing anything but building us up. They're doing anything but encouraging us and might involve us in activity or relationships that just don't bring honor or glory to the Lord. And so Paul speaks to that to us today. But as I thought about that, it, it thought about me and uh, I grew up in New Mexico, um, the state New Mexico, not the country Mexico like my daughter thinks. She thinks I'm fluent in Spanish and uh, that, you know, we're, I'm, I'm going to take her down to my people in Mexico at some point. I keep telling her it's New Mexico. It's, it's the state, but she doesn't understand that. But I moved to Texas just before my ninth grade year in the year 2000. And I know what you're thinking. You were going into ninth grade in 2000. This beard is very deceiving. It makes me look older. I'm not quite as old as you think I am. But ninth grade, I was going in to uh, high school, moved here to Texas 
into the big metropolis of McKinney and uh, had moved from a small town, fairly smaller town in New Mexico. And I didn't know really a soul going into my ninth grade year in high school. And students, you can be with me on this. You can understand not knowing one person walking into a new place, walking into a new school was very frightening for me. And it was very nerve wracking. And frankly, I was upset. I was angry. I didn't want to be here. I wanted to be back with the friends I knew, the place I was comfortable, not the place that was new, that was scary. And so what I did during that year was trying to desperately, again, all of us having this feeling to belong, this, this idea that we need to be a part of something, I needed to belong to something. And so I tried different groups, and I tried different friends, and I tried different areas and different stereotypical people or whatever it is that there's the different tables at the school uh, lunch. And I tried all these different groups, and frankly, it was bad for me. It wasn't good. It wasn't anything that was bringing me close to the Lord. I had been a believer for years before that, but I was not following the Lord closely. I was not walking hand in hand with him at that time. I was not um, growing in my faith. I was with groups of friends that were not doing uh, what the Lord would have had me to do. But luckily, through God's providence, his sovereignty in my life, and him never leaving me, him never forsaking me, towards the end of that ninth grade year, I found a friend that is my best friend to this day. His name is Blake Phillips. And uh, he lives in Alabama now, but he, uh, he became my best friend all through high school again to this day. And he got me connected to a youth group that was one that was God-honoring, one that challenged me, the one that equipped me, one that got me on track and back meeting and walking with the Lord daily. And eventually, through connection with him, because they're family as well, I would meet my eventual wife, Jessica, as well. And so seeing the Lord's story play out through my life, even though it was this sense of belonging, I tried to wander off, but the Lord doesn't let us wander off, does he? He always will come after us. He never lets one of his leave. And so because of that, I've seen the story God's woven in my life from being back angry I moved to Texas in ninth grade to now seeing how the Lord has woven that story into my life. And in our scripture today, Paul shows us the importance of God's people belonging. He shows us this through three things, through three pictures I want to look at of how the church should be. And for those of you that are taking notes, this is the time to write that down. Number one, citizens of God's kingdom. We're going to look at citizens being citizens of God's kingdom. Number two, members of God's family. And number three, building blocks of God's temple. We're going to be citizens of God's kingdom, members of God's family, and building blocks of God's temple. So we've talked about in Ephesians study throughout the last couple of months that we were once people far off from God. We had no hope. But God, being rich in mercy, reconciled us to himself through Christ and through Christ alone. So we can now have what we read last week when Ryan was preaching. We can have this peace with God, this overwhelming peace with God. And Paul says here in verse 19 that we are no longer strangers and aliens, but we're fellow citizens with the saints. Not needing to become Jewish to belong to the kingdom of God, as mentioned back in verse 12, he reminds us that as well. But we see the Gentiles at that time, they thought they were maybe not fit to be included in God's kingdom. Because see, uh, Israel had always said 
that God was going to send a Messiah for His people, for the Israelites, for the Jewish people. And so these Gentiles who even though believed in what Jesus had done, had maybe even said, man, I know Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Lord and His sacrifice was sufficient. They still thought, they stood back and said, maybe that kingdom isn't quite for us. Maybe at best we're going to be second class citizens in the kingdom of God. But friends, that is not true. Jesus broke down those walls. Look at Romans chapter 9, verse 6. I've got it behind me on the screen. Romans chapter 9, verse 6 says, For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. You see, that's good news on both sides. Okay? Because even though we may not have grown up in the Jewish faith or, or the Jewish race or not be from Israel doesn't mean that we can't belong to Israel. That doesn't mean that Jesus didn't come for us. We also can be a part of God's kingdom. And just like Ryan talked about last week, I just said, Jesus had broken down these walls, and so it's possible now for all mankind to come to God, Jew and Gentile alike, coming to our Lord through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it Himself in John chapter 14, verse 6. You know this one, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Me. Jesus said that. He said, I don't care how you grew up. I don't care where you grew up. I don't care what nation you're from. I don't care what baggage you carry. I don't care what your past looks like. Your future is me, and I've come to redeem it, and I have made you new. And so we all can come to God through Him. We can all be citizens of God's kingdom. So everyone in the kingdom of God, those who have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ, are equals See, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, that we're co-heirs with Christ. We're co-heirs. That means no one person is better than another. No one person more valuable than another in the kingdom of God. We're all citizens of the kingdom. A citizen is someone who has all the rights and privileges of the country to which you belong. And they don't know I'm going to talk about them, but it's like our friends Frank and Mari Carmen Buer who have been part of our faith family for about a year now, and I noticed and congratulated them that they officially completed and were approved of their U.S. citizenship process in the last year. Amen? That's exciting. Yeah? A lot of us take that for granted because uh, we were born in this soil, but there is a long, strenuous process to get your citizenship here, and now they can officially feel belong. They can have that sense of belonging and receive all the benefits, all the rights of citizens of this country. They don't have to no longer feel like strangers or, or as the Bible would say, aliens as the, as the word would say, but they are authentic, true citizens. And that comes with rights and privileges. And friends, we, those of us who are in Christ, this is good news because soon we will all be citizens of a kingdom. Not from different places, not from different nations, but we'll all come together as one, worshiping the Lord for eternity in a place with no more tears, a place with no more pain, a place that has no more shame and no more sin. Citizens of God's kingdom all together, all one, worshiping God for eternity. Amen? We're citizens of God's kingdom. Paul's pointing to that. The second thing Paul points us to is that we're members of God's family. Members of God's family. Paul finishes verse 19. 
here in chapter 2, saying that we're not only fellow citizens and saints, but we're members of the household of God. So Paul changes his language here. He changes it from kingdom, this large kingdom language where we're all equal in the kingdom and brings it even more intimate for us, for us to understand that we're a part of the family of God, that we're a part of the household of God. And if you remember back several weeks ago to the beginning of the Ephesians study, Paul has already touched on the fact that Christians are members of God's family. In chapter 1, he talked about how we're adopted. We're adopted into God's family. Again, pointing to this idea that we're co-heirs with Christ. We have the same rights, the same privileges as sons and daughters. Look at verse 18. Right before this in chapter 2. He says, For though through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So we have this access because we are children of God. We don't have to go through anyone else to get access to the Father. We are members of the household. Who has the most access to the Father in the household? It's the kids. It's the brothers and sisters that live in that household. So we have access to God in the same way. We don't have to go through anyone else. We don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to go to a priest as our intercessor. We have full access to the Lord, and that is good news. Some of y'all are only children. You didn't get the privilege of growing up with brothers and sisters in your family. And I know there's teenagers over here to my left that are like, gosh, if I could only be an only child. I'm so tired of arguing with my brothers and sisters. They're so annoying. But here's the deal with siblings, students, and you may not see it now. But in a family, you have affection for one another. You have care for one another. You have support for one another. And so that is what the church is to be. That's what Paul points us to as members of God's family. All of us who are in Christ, members of God's family, we are to love one another, we are to support one another, and we are to care for one another. See, we have a care team at our church that takes this even a step further, even past just their Christian obligation of loving one another, but our care team is one that you'll never see up on this stage. You're not going to see their names scroll. There, There are people that work in the background. There are people that are caring for you and for me. And when you fill out one of those prayer cards that's next to you and you put it in a giving box, you know that that need is being prayed for by devoted prayer warriors each and every week, lifting your request and lifting you up to our Father. There are also the same people that set up meal trains for you when big life events happen, whether it be tragedy or whether it be celebratory. These people are the ones that care for you during that time. We also have a team that helps supply foster parents with supplies when they get a call in the middle of the night and they're getting two new children coming to their house within hours. We have a group of people that come together and get them what they need so that they can care for the least of these. As Jesus called us to, caring for orphans. They're first responders in times of crisis for our church. And I am so grateful for our care team and what they do for us each and every week. And I think our faith family, even past that care team, I think we do this well. I think that we care for one another well. Many times when I speak to visiting families or folks who are fairly new to our congregation, they talk about an interaction that they had with one of you before they even stepped foot into this building. And that is awesome 
That is being the church. That's not coming to church, simply sitting in these seats and being convenient when I can talk to somebody. But you've been outside of these walls ministering to people through the week. And that's what Paul is calling us to do. He's saying if we want to invite people into God's kingdom, if we want to invite people into the household of God, then we have to love people outside of a Sunday morning expression. And so I feel like we've done that well. And I want to just give you great encouragement that I feel like we love our city well. We love our neighbors well and keep it up because that's what God's calling us to do is to love our neighbors in Jesus' name. Wrapping our arms around people and then inviting them into this family. Strong, healthy families enjoy hanging out with each other and being around each other. And this should be the same for our faith family. We should desire this gathering of saints every single Sunday. It should be a priority in your week that you come and you worship with one another, that you link arms with one another, that we cry out to the Lord on behalf of one another. This shouldn't be just something because it worked out this week or because it was too cold outside I came to church. But this should be something we prioritize. We should enjoy being here. We should also desire to join a service team and serve our church and community with one another hand-in-hand with one another, rubbing shoulders with one another, serving not only this family, but the community around us. God has called us as members of the family to serve one another. And so I pray, friends, that you don't just come here and sit here every week and just kind of bring it all in, but don't ever give a chance to pour out that same love that you're being filled with. I pray that you have found a spot of service, and if you haven't, let's get you plugged in. Let's get you a spot where you can encourage, where you can use the gifts that God has given you immediately. We are members of God's family. Number three, we're building blocks of God's temple. Verses 20 through 22 say, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. So Paul changes gears here again. While we know the church is not this building, we know maybe the church necessarily is not a building. It's easier for us to understand because we're here in a school. But even the building that we eventually want to build for our faith family, which will be great for ministry, will be great for us to minister to our community, the church is not confined to brick and mortar. The church is a people. It's you, it's me, it's the family, the household of God. See, I'm trying to teach this to my kids over and over because they, they know we come to church and we say that. That's just flipping. We, we're going to church and we are going to church. We're coming to a gathering. We go to church to gather with the church each week. And I think, but growing up in a church plant, they have a unique opportunity of seeing that because we come to church in a school and they go to school in a church. So... Um, <laughs> They have a preschool they go to in McKinney. And so they go to church for school. They come to school for a church. And then, man, we throw them for a big loop. We go to prayer night like we will tonight at 5 p.m. at another church. And then when we meet together with our Parks McKinney and Parks Frisco family, we actually meet down at another facility uh, once a year with them. And so they, they have no clue where, where church really happens. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Because they're learning now at an early age that the church is not confined to these four walls. The church is not these four walls. It is the people in these seats. It's these people that are out in the community ministering in the name of Jesus. But for this example, 
in the end of Ephesians, Paul does liken the church to a building to illustrate the relationship between the various parts and the people that are in it. You see, at this point in Scripture, for a thousand years, the temple in Jerusalem had been the focus of God's people. But now, in Christ, once He had came, He had ripped the veil, He had turned everything on its head, He had done something new. And a new people needed a new temple. The church had become a movement. It wasn't about the temple. It wasn't going to the priest for intercession anymore because Jesus had bridged that gap between us and God. It wasn't going to the temple anymore. It was an international movement. This gospel of Jesus had been growing and it was moving from country to country. And so a localized temple in Jerusalem just simply wouldn't be accurate or even appropriate for what is now the church because the church dwells within each of us. We are a temple for God's Spirit when we ask Jesus to be Lord of our life. There are a couple of things we need to notice about this new building that Paul's talking about here at the end of chapter 2. First is, this new building has a strong foundation. Now, any builder will tell you that the foundation of a structure is the most important part. Jesus even uses the same example in His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 when He talks about building a house upon the rock or building a house upon the sand and which one will last when the waves and the water come. Obviously, the one on the rock because the foundation of a building is key. Everything else rests upon it. Everything. And the foundation must be strong and it must be right. The church, friends, must be founded upon Jesus Christ and the authority of Scripture. It must be. Those two are ultimate. We can't take the Word of God lightly. It is our ultimate authority. And we live by these inspired words of God in everything that we do. This book cannot be modified or changed or flippantly used out of context or cherry-picked to get our own agenda or point made. This is our ultimate authority. It is absolute truth. And it is why here at the Parks Church we teach exegetically each week. What does that word mean, Kyle? That means that we go verse by verse. We choose a book of the Bible and we walk through it. That's why we're in Ephesians right now. We'll be in Ephesians the rest of the year. There's very few times throughout the year that we go topical, but we will preach by verse by verse throughout books of the Bible. And it's not because we're doing it the right way, but here's the, real, the, the, the way that we're doing that. The reason that we're doing that is we don't have to rely on our creative genius that way. We're not having to figure out a sermon series to get more people in these seats. We're not worried about what's most appealing to outsiders or, or what will be the most entertaining thing to preach each week. We simply rely on the Word of God and trust it to transform, to mold, to convict, and encourage hearts each week. Christ and the Word of God makes our strong foundation with Christ being that cornerstone. A cornerstone is the most important foundation stone in the building. I mean, most of you know, probably know that. But everything was measured according to it when they were using it. It was very large and it gave stability and also direction to the remainder of the structure. As I was studying this week, I read that they found a stone that they believed to be the cornerstone in the ruins of the original temple site in Jerusalem. And that stone that they found measured 30 feet, 38 feet, 9 inches wide. That's a big stone. Before there were any kind of, you know, 
big backhoes or forklifts or whatever would move anything like that. That's a big stone. But the thing is, when we think about a cornerstone, we think about how big it was for that temple. How much bigger is our Jesus? How much bigger is Christ, the cornerstone of our faith, where the entire um, faith of humanity landed upon him and rests upon who he is? This new building has to have a strong foundation. It also has to be a living building. The new building is a living building. The church is a spiritual building, not a physical one. We established that. It's not about the brick and mortar. It's about the people. Each true believer being a building block in this temple that God has made, God's spiritual temple. Peter says in his first book that he wrote in chapter 2 that we are living stones in God's temple. We, the people of God, the faith family. We have this new building has to be a living building. It also has to be a growing building. Look at verse 21. In him, the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. I don't know about you. Have you ever been in a building that grows? Well, maybe minus the uh, haunted mansion at Disney World. If you've ever been there, our family likes to go to Disney World once a decade. And uh, um, it's pretty expensive. I don't know if you knew that. But uh, there's a haunted mansion there. I don't know if it grows. It kind of like sinks or it stretches. Anyways, if you haven't been, that doesn't make sense. So that one kind of just hit flat. Uh, But this new building, this new temple, this new church does because it's not, again, a brick and mortar building. It's a movement of Christ. And it started with a bunch of uneducated, unsuspecting followers and has grown and spread all over the world to millions and millions of followers. And God willing, it will continue to grow until the day Christ returns. Amen? It's a living building. It's a growing building. The new building is a united building as well. In verse 21 and 22, he uses these words joined together and built together. You see, friends, there are not many peoples of God. There is one. There are not many churches of God. There is one church with many local expressions around the world. There's one church with many local expressions of that same church. Because we are all built on one strong foundation. That's foundation being Christ and His Word. And so let me tell you, if you go to a church, or if you find yourself in a congregation that does not hold those two things as ultimate, Christ and His Word, Christ and His Word, if you find yourself someday in a congregation that doesn't hold those two things as ultimate, as absolute truth, as why you meet together and what the church is founded on, then friends, that is not a church. That is not a church to be a part of. That is not a church to go to, and you need to get out of that place. Because an authentic, Christ-believing, Christ-honoring church puts Christ and His Word as ultimate and as absolute. Finally, this new building is a Spirit-filled building. Verse 22, he finishes the chapter out by saying, it's a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. By His Spirit, God lives in His people We don't have to go to the temple anymore. I said that. We don't have to have any intercessor for us to experience the divine presence of God. We don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to to come to a pastor. You don't have to come to an elder. You don't have to go to anybody because when Christ dwells within you, you have immediate access to the Father because we are part of the household of God. We can immediately be in God's presence. When we say yes to Jesus, we put our 
faith completely in Him, His Spirit dwells within us, and we become that temple of the living God. So there's three pictures of what the church should be. We are to be citizens of God's kingdom, members of God's family, building blocks of God's temple. Citizens of God's kingdom, members of God's family, and building blocks of God's temple. And today, before we pray, I want you to consider these things. Stick with me for just a moment. Number one, are you citizen of God's kingdom? Are you? Are you a part? Have you accepted Jesus into your life? Have you been transformed by the redeeming blood and power of Jesus Christ? If not, friend, let today be the day of salvation for you. May you be invited into God's kingdom by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let it happen today. Don't wait. God's calling for you. If you have made a decision to follow Christ, have you followed Jesus' example of being baptized and publicly declaring that inner transformation of being members of God's family? I talked to so many adults who've accepted Christ maybe years ago or maybe just even months ago, but they're just so worried about getting baptized because they feel like they're behind in some kind of timeline that's been made up in their mind. And friends, we follow Jesus' example. If you have been changed and transformed by the gospel of Christ, then you're being disobedient, not following in believer's baptism. Because Jesus showed us it's important for us to declare this inner transformation that happened in our hearts. We want to tell everyone that we are a Christ follower and we want to celebrate together. And we have a service coming up in two weeks on October 27th, a baptism service. They're awesome celebratory services. And I would hate for you if you're sitting there going, man, I've never been baptized after I accepted uh, Jesus into my life. Man, I want to talk to you today. Let's celebrate that. Let's allow God to use your testimony in a powerful way that morning and see other people brought into the family of God because of what he's done in your life. That's nothing to stay hidden. That's something to shout from the rooftops and declare it in front of your family, your brothers and sisters in Christ. So maybe that's something that you need to do. Are you living a life that honors the Lord that is built upon this cornerstone that is Jesus Christ? Are you one that looks to serve, to love, to equip, to encourage not only the people of God, but those that are far off as well? I said it before, do you serve the Lord with the gifts and talents that He's given you? You should be. And we've got a lot of different opportunities for that. And this is not a plug to try and fill service teams. This is the fact that God has gifted you in a particular way and you need to honor the Lord with that gift that he's given you. So serve the Lord. Find a place to jump in. Rub shoulder to shoulder with your brothers and sisters and serve the body. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing a song of response. Matt's going to come up here and lead us. And if you're uncertain of any of those questions I just posed... I'm going to be standing down here on this front row and uh, our elders are going to move now and they're going to be in the back. And I just encourage you, the Lord is moving in your heart in any way possible. If he's pointing out to you, he said, please say yes to me today. Or maybe it's like, man, I, I know I need to be baptized. I need to have that conversation. Or frankly, you need somebody to pray with you because you just, you just don't understand what anything was said today. Then come talk to one of these guys in the back Come tap me on the shoulder. I'll just be up here singing in the song of response. It's not something you have to come forward and have everybody see you. We're all going to be standing. We're all going to be singing. 
So I encourage you, if the Lord is doing something in your heart this morning, do not wait. Don't think it's indigestion. The Lord is doing something powerful, and you need to say yes to Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is such a, it's such a blessing to be here each Sunday morning with my brothers and sisters. It's such a blessing that we have this freedom, this privilege to gather together. And I pray that it wouldn't be something that we take for granted. It wouldn't be something that we take lightly. But God, we know that as citizens of your kingdom, as members of your household, that we are with our brothers and sisters here as just a glimpse of what it will be like in eternity. God, I pray during this time that as you stir hearts, as you move in the minds and, and, and in the hearts of the people in this room, I pray that they wouldn't um, let this moment pass. That God, if you were calling them to something, that they would stand here in a moment and that they would have a conversation with one of us. God, you are working in mighty ways in this church, in this city, in this community, in these families that are represented here. And I pray, God, that you would just bless the efforts of those that are ministering in your name, those that are serving diligently, the faith family and the community around them. Lord, I ask you right now, if there's anything that I said this morning that wasn't correct or wasn't theologically accurate, that you would just strike that from people's minds. And that your spirit again would move in power during this time of response. May we respond to you and how you are leading us to do so, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We're thankful for Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection, God, that allows us this access to you. Immediate access, 24-7 access that we can come to you. And we're just thankful for Jesus who intercedes on our behalf. We love you, Lord. May you be lifted high. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Every knee will bow, every eye will see. Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 1030 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.